Hi, everybody. Art Barter with the Servant Leadership Institute. Uh, we're in for a real treat today. I met this gentleman, I think it was late last year, right, Scott? Yes. Um, and uh, we got got hooked up through our, our staffs and uh, started talking about doing a podcast. My guest today is Scott Parody, and his recent book, most recent book, titled Sheep, Herders, and Wolves, Why We Are Where We Are, A Modern American Fable. And you guys know, listening to me and, and Farmer Abel, I love fables. So uh, we had a great discussion before. But I think what I really like about Scott is he talks in terms of getting to know the, the truth in order to be able to succeed, finding the truth and then sharing it. And I'm going to let Scott tell the audience a little bit about your history, your background, and how you got to where you are and what your passion is in life. And then we'll jump into talking about the choice people have. So sure. everybody, uh, Scott Parody. Scott, welcome, well, thanks. welcome Th to the podcast. Yeah. Well, thanks, Art. It's great to be with you, and I really appreciate yeah. it. Uh, a little bit about, about me. I'm, I'm originally from New Hampshire. When I was going through high school, I flirted with the ideas of going to a military academy and that sort of thing, but uh, didn't really line up. But I thought I'd still want to serve, so I joined the Army Reserve right out of high school and went through college, staying in the Army Reserve, and got involved in a bunch of different business ventures. My intent had always been to be in business for myself, but things were working out in such a way that my wife was teaching school. I was working in a bunch of different things and we needed more stability as the family, as our children were coming and so forth. So I decided to go on active duty. So I ended up spending in total a little more than 31 years with the United States Army. It ended up being quite an eclectic career. We got the chance to see a lot of the United States and a lot of the world and it really was a great opportunity. But serving in the Army, of course, the main focus in the Army for me was about leading. And it was about getting people to come together from diverse walks of life to focus on a single task. And some, some, many of them were urgent and uh, dangerous tasks. But that got me involved in leadership throughout my entire military career. Well, my last assignment was at the Pentagon, and I was coming close to retirement, and I decided, what do I want to do after I retire? And I thought I wanted to get involved in something that would make an impact. So after I retired, I started to write books and put together educational programs about the fundamental principles of leadership and success. And so, so far, I've written a total of nine books, with Sheep, Herders, Wolves being the latest one, all focused on those fundamental principles of leadership and success, mm -hmm. which has now brought me to, to you, Art, serendipitously, if you will. Yeah, the, the conversations we've had with Scott, he's got a great servant's uh, heart, and I uh, fell in love with the title of the book and was fascinated by it, and I love your passion. Tell people a little bit about, about your passion now and what, you, what your mission in life is. Well, you know, I think fundamentally, and I know you have a, a spiritual basis as well, so I appreciate this opportunity to discuss it. But fundamentally, we're all on a spiritual journey. And I think the ultimate journey for us, for us, the purpose for us is to express more life. And we do that by exploring, experiencing, learning, growing, and then creating and contributing. Now, you, you yeah. can look at those almost essentially as steps from the exploring and experiencing. Everyone does that to the learning and growing. Everyone does that to a degree, but not everyone ultimately gets to the creating and contributing part. Yep. So all of this is to express more life. And that, that's an interesting thing for me is that my purpose is to make the most of myself by doing the best I can with what I've got and helping people do the same, express more life. 
So, and, and as I went back and, you know, you and I see, I think very much similarly about this idea of servant leadership is that people, the ultimate objective is to help people fulfill their potential. And that's what leaders do is help others fulfill their potential. So that's what my purpose is, is to help others fill their potential. And that's why I'm focused on leadership and success. Those two things combined. Yeah, I, I want to share with the audience on your website, you have a great video. First time I watched it, it inspired me. And, you know, going through COVID last year and everybody being shut down and not being able to do what we love to do and, you know, not being able to travel, go talk to groups and interface. We, we're stuck in this Zoom world, right? Yes. Um, and it, it really changed some things and challenged, um, especially leaders at my age where it, it's a relationship thing. It's not yes. a technology thing, right? And right. so um, I'm going to point everybody to that, that short video on your website because that will tell you a lot about Scott and, and what he wants to do in life. But the one thing that stood out to me, and I, and I listened to it a second time, is you talk about not competing with each other, but collaborating with each other. Expand on that a little bit for our audience. Yeah. You know, I, I've been look, thinking about that a lot recently. And, and I look back at, you think about Darwin and evolution and the fundamental nature of nature. And it, you look at it down at the grassroots and it is to compete. So we say all creatures, all organisms compete for life. And so we, we take that and we say, everybody's competing. So life is about competition. Mm -hmm. So many of us put ourselves in a competitive circumstance relative to everyone else. But you gotta look a little deeper than that because ultimately when you look at nature, things reach a cooperative balance. And that's the same with us. We ultimately are shooting for a cooperative balance. We are social creatures at heart and we yep. don't have to be competing to get ahead. So yep. when you talk about leadership, and this is, this is one of the fundamental flaws that, that a lot of folks have with leadership. So they get some authority and some power and they think, okay, I am the leader. So now I will dictate, right. use carrots yep. and sticks to make things happen. When in fact, just being out front doesn't make you the leader. The idea of you have to set the example and going back to what the purpose is, the purpose is to ultimately get people to come together right. for a yep. shared purpose. And they do that by collaborate, connecting, collaborating, and cooperating to ultimately create. And this is how we advance as a society. Again, you look at history, throughout history, it's always been competition, competition, competition. But somehow we connect, we collaborate, we cooperate, we create, and we advance. That's how society yeah. advances. Yeah. Where, where do you think we are today in, in this cycle? Well, you know, it's <laughs> that's, funny. A, that's a wide open question, Scott. So. Well, I have been given a lot of thought to that exact question, Art. I do think we advance in cycles. So yep. by, by that, I mean, we're, we're like spiraling up, but we can also spiral down. But I, I say we spiral up, we reach a pinnacle, we progress, we proceed, and then we fall back. Unfortunately, yep. you know, when I look at society now, competition seems to be the dominant theme. Uh -huh. And, yep. you know, it's interesting when we saw social media come out, it was going to be the, it was going to level the playing field, make everyone come together. And in fact, what it has done in many cases is it's isolated people and broken them off into their own little silos where they only right. see from their own perspective. Yep. Instead of now collaborating and cooperating on a larger scale, we're, we're getting in our little silo and now we're fighting against everyone else. So yep. I think we're, we're at a really a tipping point in that cycle where we will Somehow, collectively, we will make the tip, we will tip, 
and change yeah. from it's about me competing to it's about us collaborating, cooperating, and then we will advance again. So I say, yeah. you know, when you say where we are in the cycle, I think we're in the we're in the low point of the cycle right now, but there is always optimism and hope because you still have a lot of great people doing a lot of great things. It's just exactly. collectively, we've got to come together. And, right, and right. we will do that. It's just how we will get there. People and organizations, they have this cycle. You know, businesses aren't growing every year and succeeding and going to, they have their lulls and their downtimes and their struggles. And it's this normal cycle that people go through. And I try to get people that believe in servant leadership that things aren't going to be perfect if you if you go down this path. You're going to have your challenges and you're going to have your low points. Yes. And, and that's just the cycle of an organization, a business, and a cycle of life. All right. Yes. Yeah. Right. All right. So let's get into your book, Sheeps, Herders, and Wolves. Tell our listeners why that title. Well, it was interesting to come up with a, I wanted, much like your Farmer Abel, and I, and I went and read Farmer Abel, and I think it's a great book, Art, and I really appreciated what the message you delivered in that fable. I wanted to be able to tell a story to deliver essentially this personal growth leadership message. So I thought about how could I do that in something that people would identify with. And so sheeps and herders and, and wolves was something I think most people can identify with. And so that's how I conceived of bringing these three ideas together. And it really comes down to this idea of we have choices and we can make a choice to kind of be status quo, go with the flow, or we can be a choice. We can make the choice to become a leader and put ourselves out front. Now, as you try to express to people, you got to do that the right way in servant leadership. Right. Yep. And mm -hmm. or the ultimate, the, the other choice, and I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. The other choice is you can go the, I'm in it for me, only right. for me, and I'm going to compete. And so yep. I use these characters, the sheep being the go, go along, get along. The herders are the leaders. And then yep. the wolves, not, I love wolves, but in this case, I'm using them as the, as the, uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh-huh. As the bad villain in, in this story, but then the wolves are the, I'm out for myself, only for myself, and I'm going to compete. And so that's how I conceived of this story. And then I put that whole, the whole fable together. What are some of the challenges that uh, people face when they decide to go from being a sheep to a herder? Or, you know, the tougher one is going from a wolf to a sheep, right? Yeah. Yes. So the way I said, we can always make that choice. We can go any of those three at any time. But the challenge is, you know, our human nature, our human nature says, well, let's, by default, now some people are 100 miles an hour, go, go, go. But most of us, and I'll put myself in this category, most of us are, first of all, fear dominates. And so we yep. always have to address fear. But then we also have this sense of what is the easiest way? So we're always looking for how can I take the most comfortable, easiest route? And by default, now, now we have within us, actually, we have this energy conservation device, which is, if you look at, again, going back to survival, we want to make, conserve energy. So part of how we end up in this taking, always taking the easy route is we want to conserve energy, but it really doesn't allow us to express our full potential to the greatest extent. And that is then you've got to make a decision, in this case, to become a leader, a herder in my story. And that is uncomfortable. First, yep. you've got to overcome fear. You've got to have some courage. You've got to 
be uncomfortable, step outside your comfort zone and do those difficult things. That doesn't mean you're going to get them all right the first time or even all right all the time. Amen. Yeah. You're just going to make small steps, improve and show other people because the key, and this is the key with all of us for all of us, is you got to build trust. You got to build trust with people. And if you trust people and they trust you, there's no limit to what you can accomplish. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm a big trust believer. You know, Stephen M. R. Covey and his father got that started years ago. Uh, trust Across America is a great organization. I don't know if you know much about them, but they're 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 working trust in very interesting ways in corporations, and um, they're a good group. So there's challenges that people face, and and you use that F word, you know, fear, yeah. and then you jump to conserving energy. The first thing that came to my mind was the people who aren't performing at the level that they should be performing, that you believe as a leader they can perform at, are they really just stopped performing? And, and, and some have, right? But are, have they gone into a little bit of distrust and gone into the concert, you know, survival mode yes. because they're not sure that the leadership is going to be around in six months, right? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, that, that, that's a great question that leaders have to ask. My wife works for a very large medical organization. And one of the challenges they are facing right now, if you've been watching what's going on in the medical industry, they've done a lot of consolidation, bringing companies together. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that has necessitated, it has evolved into a lot of corporate changes. And down at the grassroots level, down where the folks deliver the services, provide care to people, it creates a lot of turmoil. And right away, you've got to ask yourself from those folks level, from the ground level, are they going to lose trust in leadership? And if they lose trust in leadership, then performance declines and and you go into this downward spiral. I think you're right, though. The question, you've got to really look at that. Is Is the fear something that's just welling up in them and causing them to stop wanting to grow in advance? Are they just tired and maybe need a break? Or is it something we, the leaders are doing or the organization is doing that's eroding the culture, setting this little bit of distrust that's now causing them to pull back and pull in? Right, right. I I went to work for Daytron in 1997, uh, the company we own and run today. And when I came in there, they were implementing a new quality system. And when I got to know the people and started talking to them, I didn't see a lot of momentum in implementing that new system. Yes. And when I had created some trust with some of the key individuals, I said, help me understand why we're not moving forward in this program. And the feedback was, you know, Art, the management has always come up with the latest and greatest, going to solve everything. And they do it every 12 months. Every year, it's something new. And uh, one individual said, this leadership team for the last 10 years has tried something new every year. They've never followed through and implemented what they said they were going to do, right? They always were changing. So the people had learned to, okay, I'm going to attend the meetings. I'll do enough. But we know in eight months, this program is going to go away and get replaced with with something else, right? Yes. And And they're not bad people. They're smart people because they see exactly what the leaders are doing, right? Yes. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I think a lot of leaders and I have found myself and I could still find myself in this situation is the leader feels like I've got to do something. I've got to do something, make something happen. I think the most important thing the leader can do is empower their people. If they provide the right vision and then empower the people, 
the people are going to get on board and you're going to see really some amazing things happen. So rather than I've got to make something new, create a new widget, a new process, a new system, why don't I go connect with people, empower people, and have them then lead the transformation so that you can all move forward together? Yeah. Have you, in your experience uh, over time as a leader, you've probably seen some very good sheep. Yes. And maybe you've seen potential for them to become a herder, but they never make that transition. Yes. Um, Tell me a little about the a little bit about the people who really perform well as sheep, and that's really where they should be. And how leaders shouldn't try and push them into something that they really don't want to do. Yes, there are some people, and it's interesting because now you you can separate their whole being. Some folks will compartmentalize. They've got this personal life, family life, then they've got their work life, and then they've got community, spiritual, and so forth. And they've said, okay, I'm going to contribute this much in my work life. So I might see them in their work environment. And I see that this person has a lot of potential. They're intelligent, they're capable, they're hardworking, they're conscientious, everything we want and need in leaders. But the but for them is I'm going to contribute what I can here so that I have more to contribute in family, community, spiritual, and all those other things. So if I see a person like that, I understand exactly where they're coming from. They, they feel like I can't go all in in my career because I'm balancing my capability. I have, to, I have to rest, recuperate so that I have energy to contribute across a wide sphere. Yep, yep. The challenge becomes when you see that person who really wants to move forward, they have the capability, and, but fear or something is holding them back. Either yep. they, they have the imposter syndrome, I don't think I can do it. You know, you see this with people with children. I, I, we're going to wait to have our children till we're ready. We're going to wait till everything, the stars align. Yep. Everything. Uh, I'm, I'm a perfect, I'm in the perfect mindset to be a dad or a mom. You're never ready. You're never right. ready. You learn on the job. And that's the same way with leadership too. And that is the same way with many of these people who are not going to the next level in their careers, even though they're ready, they're capable, but their fear is holding them from, from, raising their hand and saying, I'll do that. Right, right, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of very smart people who are very comfortable in that role. Yes. Right, and uh, leaders need to respect that because if we push them to the next level, and this is something that I saw over years of my career is businesses just promoted people until they failed. Yes, yes. Right, right. and, and why, why do we do that? And I've learned over the last 20 years that the best thing I can do is utilize the gifts that that person has yes. to the betterment and collaboration of the team, right? Right, Yeah. right. You, yeah. you know, the Army, the Army over the years has struggled with that same thing. Now, this is a huge organization, so you're talking nearly 2 million people in total. And the idea was, okay, how do we have somebody who's an expert, but we have an up and out system? So you're, yep. you're, you're always going to be up. And, and out. And some people are not necessarily fit for management, but they are experts at their field. And so the army has struggled with that. And we had warrant officers. We still have warrant officers for special specialized capabilities and that sort of thing. And this idea of letting people stay in grade for longer periods of time, we still, in general, the army still has an up and out system, but it's still this same debate that you're, you're thinking about is I've got a great person. Why push them to beyond their capability, the Peter principle, why push them beyond their capabilities till they get to a point of failure when I can grow them, help them, 
help them realize their full potential in this area of expertise. And I think, again, that takes thoughtful leadership to see that and help someone develop to yeah. maintain that, maintain that expertise. Yeah. I, you know, we do business, uh, we sell military radios in, in our Daytron business, uh, primarily to foreign militaries. In the U.S., they train, advise, and assist, right, uh, foreign militaries. Yes. And one of the generals uh, that I know, he's retired, he, they used to go around to different units and pick the best people out when they had a mission to go uh, train, advise, and assist. And he came to the realization, why am I taking the best people out of every unit? Because then we're rebuilding multiple units. Why don't we just build one unit that can stay together as a team and go train anywhere in the world we need to go train at, right? Yes. And I thought, wow, it, the, the years of experience and our senses to go pick the best out of every area, bring them together for a mission and then turn around and send them back to their unit, right? And not understand the impact we're having. And I think that's a little bit of what you're saying. Yes. Uh, yes. So talk a little bit about people who appear to be sheep, but are really wolves. Uh, that, that's an interesting one, because it, it's this idea now in the context of the fable that I write about is that we all have the capability to go either way. But it depends on how you fundamentally approach life. So in this case, there are those people. And this is interesting because and I know you're familiar with the old adage, you, you fire fast, hire slow. So this idea of somebody, when they get to the point where they decide, I don't want to play this game anymore, mm -hmm. you as the leader have to recognize they don't want to play this game anymore. And you've got to allow them the opportunity to find new opportunities to grow and expand. And it may not be with your organization. Right. You know, the ultimate objective for, if you're in business, you want to put together the best team that you can, find the best people. Unfortunately, what a lot of folks, they don't look beyond the surface and see the potential and grow the potential. They just want, I want the, I want the A player and I'll spend whatever it takes to get the A player. Well, the A player may not be on board with your team. So you've got to, people have un, unbelievable potential if you grow that potential. So you can find people who've decided not to play anymore and yep. they can resist whatever the mission of the organization is. And they become that bad apple in the bunch. And then pretty soon by the leader letting that bad apple rot, it rots the whole apple because people, people are not blind. They recognize, hey, Johnny's not working so hard anymore. Johnny's not contributing anymore. Johnny, yeah. you know, Johnny is just, Johnny doesn't want to be here anymore. Right. He's just decided it's not for him. So we've got to let Johnny explore new opportunities. So it's, it's challenging for us to see that wolf in sheep's clothing. They, they look like they're somebody who's going along to get along, but they're really not living up to their, fulfilling their potential. And that's yeah. a real key in, in, for leadership to recognize, hey, I've got more potential in these people. How can I foster it with, at the same time, recognizing somebody who said, I've just decided not to play. Yeah, and it doesn't make them bad people. No. They're, they're not bad people. They just will thrive better in a different type of organizational environment, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And we're better off as servant leaders to go help them find that culture yes. that they feel comfortable in and can, can um, perform in. And, right. and that's the toughest part. I've seen leaders try and get people to come back on board, et cetera. And, you know, we use the word power leadership. So... You get a leader on board, they love servant leadership culture, but they come in and it's all about behavior and it starts with you as the leader. Yes. And they go, wait a minute, it starts with everybody else, it doesn't start with me. 
and they can't make that transition. Right. And, you know, I've had, I've had some very, very smart people uh, after two years of trying to get them into the servant leadership culture that I've said, you know what, it's just not working. This isn't a good environment for you. So let me help you find an environment where you'll feel comfortable. And that's usually in those organizations that every 90 days you perform or you get, you know, you can get a nice little meeting and invite, right? It's all about short-term results. And, and that's the environment they love. And so let them go work in that environment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now you touched on something that, that uh, is also one of the things that is, I think is difficult for people to understand is you talked about growing people to the point that, you may not have the opportunity for them to to grow into, right? And yes. and when we grow that individual to the point where we don't have the opportunity for them to to take that next step, a lot of leaders just want to keep them inside the four walls of the building, right? Because I'm gonna have to train somebody new. I don't want to. And really, our job is to help that person go to the next level, whether or not it's inside the building or not. How how do you, how have you seen leaders deal with that? Well, the, the challenge, and I think you're right, the first, the first response usually is, I've got such a great person, they really can be doing really wonderful things, I just don't have anywhere to put them, you know, to, to help them grow. But if I let them go, I've got to train new people, I've got to be more responsive, it's going to be more weight on my shoulders, all of these things. So that fundamentally is a failure in leadership in that my ultimate objective, and I think the ultimate objective of leadership is to help people fulfill their true potential. Sometimes mm-hmm. that means letting them go and helping right. them find the right opportunity. So the first thing you got to look at is when you have that, when you recognize that in someone that this person, this person needs to go to some bigger organization, some new type of role that maybe we can't fill here in our organization or in another department or something, whatever it may be. First thing you got to look at yourself. Okay, am I am I resisting this because I'm afraid of the work, the training, the finding the new people, the developing these? This is such a great person; they're carrying such a heavy load for me that now it all falls on my shoulders. So you got to look at yourself first, and then recognize: all right, I've got to bite the bullet and do the right thing by this person. You know, the interesting thing is, ultimately, even though they might go to another organization, I think it's going to come back to you in a good way. Either that relationship for you and them or something else, it's going to work out. You've just got to be willing. It is a growth opportunity for you as the leader. Right. Right. I'm helping this person move to the next level, which means I've got to help someone else move to their level. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My church, it took a a long time to figure out what their purpose in life was. Right. And they throw, but they came out with reach, teach and release. Yes. Yes. And, and the release isn't within the four walls of our organization. It's within the entire ministry, right? In the yes. entire world. Right. And getting leaders to understand them, you know, reach people with a great mission and purpose, teach them about how to do things the right way, yes. and then release them to go grow and experience the best in life. Right. And I go, yeah, it's not about being within the four walls. Right. It's, exactly. it's bigger than that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about your work is you focus on that bigger sphere that's more important and it gets back to that balance you were talking about right yeah right right that's that's what exactly what i try to do and and through the the books that i write and the messages i convey is to get people to look beyond actually at the big picture because i think ultimately we're all in this together 
and it's all serves all of us to help each other. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is there any point in the book you'd like to touch on that I haven't asked you about yet, Scott? Well, just just to give you a concept of the for, for anybody who might be interested, the, the story, the story of Sheepers will starts with a college student by the name of Jeff. Last day of the term. He's go, he goes to a, a bar to meet his friends. He's actually a bartender at the bar. And he, this friend's there to celebrate the last day of the term. Everyone's going to head home for winter break. But one of his closest friends, Jose, says the world operates by two dictums. Might makes right, which results in the many serving the few. And he says, you look at history, that's just the way it works. And Jeff, our hero, mm-hmm. thinks, wait a minute, it does not sit right with him. I mean, you can see the historical facts but it just doesn't fit right with his view of the world. So he goes home over the weekend to be with his family as he starts the winter break. And he, he reconnects with his family. And one of the first events that next day is to go to a wedding anniversary celebration, a 65th wedding anniversary celebration with his grandfather's oldest friends. And he sees the community and the, the yeah. love and the friendship of all those people and says, okay, that doesn't fit with the dictum of might makes right. right. And then the next day he goes to church and he gets the sermon and the preacher talks about people who had very terrible experiences, but somehow they're learning to forgive and, and come together and heal. And he says, okay, that doesn't fit right with might makes right. And then every Sunday he plays, he plays um, cribbage with his grandfather called Papa uh-huh. And so they have, they have their Sunday afternoon cribbage match. And he brings up this idea that Jose had said of might makes right and the many serve the few. And Papa says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story my, my father told me as we were in Normandy in 1944. And this was just before D-Day. And his father, his father, Papa's father, was killed helping the Allies during the, the Normandy invasion. So his father, now it's, they're tending sheep. And his father tells him this story. He says, remember, God created the earth in six days, but you don't know all the story of what happened on that sixth day. Let me tell you a part of the story you don't know. And he goes into the story of sheep, herders, wolves. He said God was conceiving of his ultimate creation, which would be mankind, but he wanted to see how it would all play out. So he did some experimenting. So he said, well, sheep, Sheep are a good, great animal. They're not, they're not, they don't have those dominant features of a carnivore. They all have to work together to survive. Yep, yep. So he said, I'll run this experiment with sheep. So I said, okay, I'm going to give sheep the opportunity. They can collaborate and connect and they will survive. But competing against, you know, having to survive in a threatening environment yep. is going to require leaders. So I'm going to give the sheep the ability to transform themselves into leaders. Yep. And when times get tough, Some of them have to be willing to step forward to transform themselves and become, in this case, what I call herders. And they will guard the sheep, guide the sheep, help the sheep so that they can come collect, connect, collaborate, and survive. However, God said, I want to give them free will. So I've got to give them an alternative. The alternative is the sheep can decide to go out on their own and become wolves. And the wolves are the pariahs of the sheep. So they attack the sheep and they kill the sheep and they divide the sheep and they ultimately subdue the sheep. And so God set up this experiment. He let it play out again and again to see how this would happen. And if leaders emerged, the sheep would survive and thrive. If wolves dominated, then the the herd would be decimated. The interesting thing, though, was with, with the wolves, 
ultimately, once the sheep were all gone, the wolves always turned on each other. Yep. It was a complete disaster. And then it all began again. He said, this is what it's going to be for my ultimate creation of mankind is they have the choice. They have the free will to make that choice. They can go along and get along. Leaders must emerge to make that happen so they can prosper and thrive. Or if they decide to make it a me first, I'm only out for myself. Bad, bad things are going to be happening until yeah. the cycle runs again. Right, right. So we're, you, you kind of talked about where we are in the cycle today. You, you believe people have had a real tough time in the last year and a half with COVID and everything has happened and trying to figure out which one they want to be? Yes, yes. It, it's interesting, interesting times. For us, you know, ultimately the change is going to come one person at a time. So we have to, I can sit and watch the news and complain about this and about that and, and about everything out there. I don't control all that. All I have is myself. And so ultimately the change comes from within. So it's up to each of us to make a decision of which way we're going to go. Is it going to be, you know, the ultimate decision all of us have to make, and we make this decision really every day, but it's the ultimate decision that decides the fate of humanity. And it is, am I going to embrace fear, lack, or am I going to embrace love, abundance, and prosperity? And it's a decision we make every day, every circumstance. Am I going to embrace the fear and the lack? Or am I going to embrace the love and abundance? And we've each got to make that choice for ourselves. Yeah. Over the last year and a half, through everything that people have been through, have you seen any observations that you that made you go, hmm, well, that's an interesting reaction? Both, both in the negative and the positive. Yeah, I mean, what's yeah. Really, exactly. what's, really, I, what's really heartening is, is, and, and positive is how people will come together and how they will reach out to each other. And as I see folks, even through the, these platforms like Zoom and other kind of, they will connect with folks and give of themselves to help lift each other up. And, I, and that is tremendous to me. And I see that all the time everywhere. So that gives me hope. And that's why yeah. I'm always ever an optimist and hopeful about the future. At the same time, I see other people pulling into their, their worlds are getting smaller, their viewpoint is becoming more pointed, and they're taking that point and they're poking it at everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I see that happening as well. And so it's, it's almost like those two, those two ends are coming together. And unfortunately, one is going to emerge as the dominant. And ultimately, the, the good will be the dominant, but sometimes it's very painful to get from that struggle to the ultimate good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's um, you know, I, I listened to a lot of people over the last year and a half talk about managing in a crisis. And, you know, I, I think back, I go, okay, is there anything that we need to change our approach to? And the biggest change for us and our organizations was cleanliness. Yes. Yeah. It made us rethink how many times our employees touch a surface how many times a day do we need to clean that surface? But the biggest aha for us is, you know, we used to, we have labs and stuff, but we controlled access into those, right? Yes. Only certain people go in there because we've got technology there, et cetera. And, and we had some interesting discussions where we talked about, do we trust our employees? Yeah, we do. Okay, so why do they have to go through doors to get to the area they need to work in, right? Because they're touching that door every time they go in and out. Yes. Right. So why don't we just get rid of the door? And it was an amazing transformation for the organization because at first they, 
uh, you know, we, we really need to control this area. So what, what are we controlling? Right. Why do we need to control that? Yes. Isn't it more important to eliminate the surfaces that employees touch than it is to control access to that? And, you know, it took us a while to get to that point, but we went, why are we having all these secure doors within the four walls that we secure and wasting all this money on, on those systems when we really don't need it? And, right. you know, that was the aha for me is it forced us to think differently, right? Yes. yes. And I tell people today, I think, I say, you know, our factory is probably the cleanest it's ever been in, uh, in our time that we've owned it. And we go, we thought it was pretty clean before, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So uh, if you walk into a building, you don't smell alcohol or something, you go, hmm, is this, is this really being cleaned, right? It's a, it's a whole different world. Right. Know? Yeah. So, Shagad, anything you'd like to leave words of hope or wisdom or challenges to our listeners today? I'll leave this for the thought is that go back to that theme of changes from, from each of us. So that's ultimately how we have change. But for those who want to be a leader, again, it's like having the kids. Don't wait for the stars to align. Don't wait for all the ducks right. to be in a row. You have the potential. It's just, do you have the commitment? Yep. In other words, to be a leader, you've got to have some, you've got to have this idea of first, you've got to be competent. Then you have to be courageous to step up as a leader. Then you have to actually be committed to whatever it is, the goal or objective of the organization is. And then you've got to care. And by that, I mean, you've got to care about the mission and care about the people. Yep. Leadership ultimately is helping people be the best versions of themselves, helping people achieve their full potential. You can do it. You absolutely can do it. It's just take a little courage, step out, get outside your comfort zone, and you can help people achieve a new level. And all of us helping each other, we're all going to be better off. Yep, yep. Well, everybody, I've got about four pages of notes here. I don't know about anybody else, but Scott, you've really added value to us today. And I think that's my biggest takeaway is, you know, you're helping people add value to other people by starting with themselves. Add value to yourself first, and then you can go care. And I love the steps you talked about. You had courage, uh, being committed, getting started. Don't wait. But you put care in there. Yes. You have to care, right? That was a big takeaway for me. So, Scott, I enjoyed having you on the program today. I think our paths will cross down the road somewhere when we get back into the normal life where we can do conferences in a normal way or something. I, I don't know. So, but uh, I want my audience to know you're, you're, you're up in uh, what town in Alaska? We're in Eagle River, Alaska, which is just outside of Anchorage. Yeah. And the last time I talked to Scott, it was, I don't know, pretty low temperature up there. Yeah. We were about 70 degrees here in San Diego. So I rubbed it in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Scott, uh, you have a, a website and social media. You want to share some of that with our listeners today? The website is um, HTTPS, Scott, S-C-O-T-T-F as in Frank, parody, P-A-R-A-D-I-S dot com. So scottfparody.com. You can check that out, uh, see what, what I've been up to. Of course, I have an author page on, on Amazon, that sort of thing. But go to scottfparody.com yep. and I'll, I'll be there. Go check Scott out, and uh, I encourage everybody, go to his website, find that uh, short video, because I'm pretty sure it's going to inspire you. So, Scott, well, thanks, great sir. having you with us today. Uh, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing us get through that cycle. Absolutely. Hey, it's been yeah. great being with yeah. you, Art. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right, Scott. Thanks a bunch. 
Thank you for listening to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Our newest publication, Equipped to Serve, 100 Ways to Help the Ones You Lead by Art Barter and Carol Malinsky, is now available online through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Visit ServantLeadershipInstitute.com for logs, webinars, and more, all dedicated to servant leadership. Have an amazing day, and we will see you on the next episode.